welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Thorac Paperback. I am the best host, Charles Sheeland. Or maybe I'm the best host, since I'm the one who receives all our fan messages. But this is Asia Bonilla, the best host. And today we are back for a final time again with the Children of the Lamp. Thank goodness we survived this seven book just torture. Just kidding. <laughs> I just it was kidding. not torture. And it we're reading the torture. final book, The Grave Robbers of Genghis Khan, which means this is our last week on the Children of the Lamp. And next week we'll be starting Scott Westerfield's Ugly series. If you're new to our show, we're podcast with Under Party Network. We read and reread YA books from our adolescence and share them with each other. I picked out this series originally. I read these, the first five, or I think I read the first four kind of like one summer. And then the next one came out and I read it then. And then I reread the whole series, I believe my senior year of high school. Uh, so I read these before and I like, especially the first few I really knew quite well maybe because I read those more times but Asia was reading these for the first time so overall now that we finished what did you actually think of the series because I know it wasn't actually torture you can save your final review for the end but like in general you liked them didn't you I'll save my final review but I'm gonna rank it I'm gonna rank it in comparison to the other series or some of the other series that we've covered that were Charles's picks and I'll say that it was definitely better than Narnia because everyone knows I hate Narnia. So that's at the bottom of the barrel. Oh, and way better than Inkheart. Inkheart's actually totally like, that's in hell. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. all the way down there. Yeah, Inkheart is, like, the, is definitely the worst thing we've read. Inkheart's the worst thing we've read. Like, we collectively agree on that. Then probably like, well, I don't know if Divergent is the next for me. It's still not good, but I disliked some of the other ones more than that. Um, but I would say that, yeah, Inkheart's all the way down at the bottom of hell. Narnia's probably, like, the crust of the earth, so, like, it's not above ground, but it's not, like, in the molten lava. Like, it's just on the crust, but still terrible. And I would say this is, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a little bit above the ground, like, 10 feet off the ground. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this metaphor is. But I was just going to say that it's better than those, but I would say I still, in comparison, because we've talked, we've compared this one a lot to the Nicholas Flamel series, which is the second series we covered on the show. I still think the Nicholas Flamel series overall was more interesting. And I don't 100% remember how that one ended, but I remember, like, there was a really good, like, plot twist at the end and, like, reveals and this, to me, the ending was very anticlimactic. So I enjoyed I enjoyed the series overall. Like, I've talked about a lot. I like the humor in this. But I think now that we've finished it, I can't, like, really rank it in the top because, to me, it feels very unfinished. And, like, at the end, I'll give my, like, what a good kind of analogy I gave for what I think of how the series ended. Interesting, because I feel like the ending is very similar to the ending of Nicholas Hamel. I do think I like that one better because I think it's more old. I just, like, I feel like the further we got in these we books... We should review it at the end because, honestly, I don't 100% remember what, how that series ended, so we should do a quick review, but we'll save it okay. for the end. I feel like this one 
like the end I feel like these books are just a little younger like they're just slightly younger in demographics I think they were harder like not hard to read they were easy to read but I feel like they were harder to stay interested in because they're they're children definitely in the second half of the series I would say yeah but anyway we're getting way ahead of ourselves and long and that's the other thing they just felt long by the end also because we were reading the entire book all at once so obviously that also contributed whereas pretty much all other books we've been reading half of it at a time well but let's go ahead and dive into our summary for this week which i get to be the last this is the last summary i'll be doing for a little while since i'm the newcomer and even though neither of us has ever read uglies before charles will be on summary duty to give me a break you're welcome so diving into the summary the twins, for their final adventure, they are on vacation with Nimrod and Gronin in Italy when the volcano Vesuvius starts to erupt. Then they realize that all sorts of volcanoes all around the world are about to erupt, and now they have to find out why and how to stop them. They decide to go to Mongolia because a legend that Genghis Khan was going to end the world with volcanoes if he was ever defeated is something that they're looking for. So this journey involves stops in Morocco, Afghanistan, and Australia, as well as Gronin quitting right at the beginning and then rejoining them later on, and the self-sacrifice of a boy in Australia. They do eventually discover Genghis Khan's grave and realize that this volcanic activity is being caused by an evil rich guy. So capitalism was the enemy the whole time. And then the twins have to make the ultimate sacrifice to stop the entire globe from igniting. So, based off that summary and this book, giving my initial impression, I feel like this, honestly, the storyline felt really random, is I would say, like, my first thing of, they've gone on a lot of adventures, but, like, the just escalation to now they have to save the world, it's not necessarily that it felt like, unwarranted but just like it felt unnatural like I just feel like we didn't get enough build up to this and maybe it's also because we talked about in previous episodes how over these seven books only about like two years passes whereas a lot of other stories I feel like well Nicholas Smell like we said only happens in like two weeks or something but I don't know I just feel like based on the development of Philippa and John like their ability to save the world like I don't know it to me it doesn't feel like they were hyped up enough throughout the entire series, like, just how powerful they were. Like, I feel like all of that, like, backstory on why they're so important is, like, all told in this book specifically. Like, it wasn't something that was kind of laid out throughout the series. Hmm, and I feel I, like Charles making a face saying he disagrees, but I'll just disagree. say in the sense of, I feel like mainly because a big part of this book is we learn about a prophecy and this prophecy has never been mentioned before it's only mentioned in this book which i guess maybe they're just discovering it but i don't know overall this was probably my least favorite book and like even the last book how we talked about like the whole thing basically didn't happen i still enjoyed that book more than i enjoyed this book to me this was the worst book in the series which is honestly disappointing for it being the last book but that's just my opinion okay that i agree with I, it is my least favorite book in the series. I think the ending is just kind of sad. I think it works as an ending because it finishes the series off nicely, like, in that you don't feel like they're going to just keep writing books for indefinitely. But I don't 
Like, I personally don't like the ending. I think it works. I feel like it's not a well-done ending. Like, I feel like it doesn't make sense for where the story was going. Well, I think I mean, we can talk that about I... that a little later. Because I think that yeah. is both true and not true. So, I do disagree with you about, like, we've gotten, like, I feel like in every book, they've been like, wow, twins are super powerful. Like, twins together, like, they're as powerful as an adult. You know, like, you know, I just think... But, like, as powerful as an adult as opposed to you're powerful enough to save the world, like, that's not the same thing. I guess, but that didn't feel... Like, I feel like it's more so... I feel like, just a quick analogy, I feel like before when they're referencing the twins, they're just, like, together, I mean, as always, twins are always shown as, like, having more power, but I feel like at the end, it's like, they're like Captain Marvel, like, they're the greatest superhero to have ever lived, and it's like... Where did that come from? I feel like that wasn't really explained. Like, I didn't think it was that level. Like, I felt it was more like a, they're Iron Man. Like, I don't know. They're just not on the level of, oh, they're single-handedly going to be able to save the world. Like, I just feel like that wasn't really built up to, at least in a way that I felt was natural. I guess. Well, yeah. That's a, you know, I disagree, but I, I take your point. So, just to dive in. We start with the kids are on vacation with Nimrod and Vesuvius starts to erupt. So, and they mentioned the Iceland eruption in 2010. I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, Iathiakul. Do you remember that? Because we were alive for that. When the volcano erupted in no, Iceland. and there was 2010. The- we would have been 12. I, I don't remember that. I don't even know. Oh, see, maybe I remember it because I was living in Europe at the time. And I was going to my... Yeah, m- that- middle school honor choir conference and i was only flying from austria to switzerland so not that big of a flight and we were like are we going to be able to go is it going to happen and the festival happened but it was only half as many schools participating so it was like really small like it was really fun because it was sort of intimate and like most people weren't able to travel because it was right after because because it was a an eruption and you're like at least i benefited from it I mean, I was going to be going either way, but, like, yeah, I just remember that. Low attendance. I remember that happening because, and so it was just, like, crazy to read a book where, like, that, but this book came out in, like, 2015, I think we said. So, you know, it was already five years old by the time this happened. Yeah. Anyway. So, no, I didn't, I did not remember that. I don't remember that being a thing, but I was quite young and that was that it also was may have not impacted on, like, social media it also might have not impacted freaking california probably not we are very far away from iceland, iceland. <laughs> anyway so as you mentioned chapter one vesuvius erupts so that's obviously super dramatic that's how the book is starting and nimrod immediately wants to go examine it and i had to say i was with Gronin on this one because he is like, there's no way I'm going on another, on another one of these adventures. Like, I obviously would not want to go climb up a volcano right after there was an earthquake. And now, like, the volcano is smoking, so there's, like, a high chance that it could erupt at any moment. Like, yeah, I don't think I will be taking that risk either. So I did agree with Gronin's severe hesitation on that. So much so that you would resign from working for Nimrod? Like, because... It was quite dramatic, and it set the tone for the book. It's like, Gronin quits. Like, that's setting up basically the whole rest of the plot. Like, the vibe of the book. 
I don't think I would resign. I think I would have been like, yeah, I think I'll watch the suitcases here at the hotel. Also because Gronin doesn't think that through fully anyway because with this volcano being on alert now that it might erupt and they also eventually learn that now all volcanoes basically all over the world might likely erupt at any moment. There's no flights. So like there's no way for him to leave where they are. So I feel like even if he had made that decision, like once, at least if it was me, once I would have realized I can't go anywhere, I would have been like, well, obviously I'm going to stay with Nimrod just so I have somewhere to stay for free. So. Yeah. Also like just, yeah. I don't know. It, his approach was kind of dumb. Like, once he realized he couldn't travel, I'm like, stay with Nimrod. Like, he'll let you stay. Well, Gronin has Gronin has always been the dumb comic relief of this series, True. so it wasn't surprising for his character, at least not to me. So, after Gronin goes off on his own, they do end up climbing up the mountain, and they go to meet up with Nimrod's friend, this professor who like studies volcanic activity and basically this is when they discover that volcanoes everywhere are going off and the magma is gold which is super interesting so and then this is when Nimrod brings up this prophecy which like I said we mentioned in the last book there was a prophecy but this is a different prophecy like okay I want to check with that because I was wondering is this the same prophecy as we had in the eye of the forest the one where it's like a good and a bad with Dybbuk. That's definitely, which I'll also say that prophecy, another thing that I have, a criticism of the book, like the whole thing with Dybbuk, he never returns the story, spoiler alert, he never comes back. His He kills his good side and then they're never mentioned again. So, which I'll just say right here, <laughs> I'll save it for the end, but I'll just say that to me gives off the vibes like the actor had another movie and they couldn't re-sign him for the contract. So they just wrote him out of the plot because that to me didn't make sense. I feel like that was really built up. I mean, I said that, that I felt like it was yes. built up that Dibbit could have been this evil person who's going to come back and be the big bad, especially to replace Iblis, who was our big bad for what, like the first three books or four books. First four books. And then it would make sense that his son, that his son would take their performed over. friend becomes like, they're big bad. Makes but he sense. never came back. So I'll just say right here, I'm just throwing that in there that to me, that didn't make sense. But yes, that prophecy, at least to my understanding, was separate because I do think that that prophecy had to do with Dybbuk. Of course, we never got any follow through with it. So that's not confirmed. But that's where I'm again saying where this prophecy to me just seems random because it's never even been mentioned, like, even if Nimrod was talking about it with Layla, like, their mom, like, or just talking about it with Cronin, or talking to himself about it, like, just mention, like, not saying that the twins had to know about it, but I'm saying we're seven books in, and we're just now hearing about this prophecy about the end of the world, that the twins, which I'll also say this prophecy, it specifically says a twin that are a boy and a girl that have a mom for a djinn and a dad for a mundane. Like, that's too specific. And that, and then on top of that, there's a legend that the Merid tribe will save the world. So I'm saying, that, like, it's a very specific prophecy. Like, I'm not saying, because it's not like, oh, well, maybe it could be Philippa and John. It's, like, very likely that it's Philippa and John. So to me... Again, in this seven-book series, I think that it should have been mentioned even as a passing thought, whereas, like, it might not have been obvious to the reader, but, like, we could have looked back and been like, oh, maybe, like, that's what they meant. Whereas I feel like we didn't get that at all. 
No, it definitely feels like it was a plot line that was added for this book. Like it was just like, oh, you know what we need in this story? A prophecy for the end of the world and the only people to save it are our two main characters. So that's what I said about, to me, it didn't feel well developed. And it's not that it like doesn't make sense. Like I, I buy that there's some prophecy, but I just feel like it could have been better foreshadowed. Like I feel like that would have made the whole story more cohesive. Yeah. Well, so... The Merit are going to save the world. And again, it's just obvious that they're the twins. Like, Well, and also... It's just so obvious. And also, I mean, yes, I said too, with this whole book, I mean, right at the beginning, after we're like finding about the prophecy, I'm like, okay, so obviously we're getting like, we're really going for like an Avengers assemble moment because like I had the quote, it says, it was down to them as Jin and to their tribe in particular to save the world. I don't know, it just felt really dramatic and like, I don't know. I feel like it hasn't really been like a threat of like the world is going to end hasn't been presented before, which again, not saying that that can't happen. But to me, like I said, I think that would have made me feel a little bit more of a natural progression would have been if they or was at least a mentioning of this prophecy at some point throughout the series. Especially because it's a prophecy that apparently the professor knows about and it's a freaking gin prophecy. And, and also like, Nimrod like has talked about it. It sounds like to other people in the past, but that was never in the reading. Yeah, I agree. No, I totally agree. So, and then Nimrod immediately because of the gold magma is like, well, turns out oh, the, he hadn't talked to the press about the prophecy. He talked to the press about this. The fact that Genghis Khan had crystals that would make giant volcanoes and so it's definitely a djinn that's, like, or, like, someone djinn, you know, adjacent who is trying to, like, take over the world's volcanoes. And Nimrod is able to figure all this out because of the gold magma. So now they're going to track down Genghis Khan because, of course, they are. Like, duh. Gotta go for the biggest bang of the series. Again, again, I just feel, like, also just totally random, but okay. I don't know. I think... That's also where, like, the setup of this book, I feel like every other book, the ultimate conflict that was happening was was in relation to a character we'd already met. And ultimately, the entire conflict of this is, like, with new people we've never met, never heard of. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, my God. The villain at the end? Like, the villain, totally a random... I mean, that's what they always say of, like, when a villain reveal is somebody you've never met before, it just doesn't have the same bang or like again, there's no like betrayal. And their motives or are terrible. Like their like it just doesn't make sense. Bad. But we'll get to that, I guess. So since they find out about about this stuff about Genghis Khan, they decide that they need to find his tomb, which means first they have to go to Afghanistan because they need a flying carpet. Which my first instinct when I read this, because as they're on their way, Philippa is asking nimrod about flying carpets, and she's like, "I thought those didn't exist," and I was so lost because again, in the last book. Philippa and John get their own flying carpets. They learn how to fly them. But obviously, remember, the last book was just, you know, a separate timeline that got completely erased. So they haven't learned about flying carpets, which, again, I'll admit, I still don't hate that because in comparison to this book now, I definitely prefer that one. Even with the ending. So how do you feel about how they handled, like, the memory and the deja vu? Because it basically got brought up a couple times where they were like, they had deja vu because something similar happened, but they couldn't know that. I liked like it, it. 
I liked that in a sense because it did feel like it connected to the last book. Whereas if they wouldn't have mentioned yes, it at I all, agree. I would have been more angry like about it. Because I, yes. I said in the last episode that I didn't hate I didn't hate it. I don't think it was super well done. I think it was super random. And I guess maybe it could be kind of hinting like with how we know how it ends. It's like if which maybe it all goes back to if John wouldn't have made all those decisions and done all that so that Gronin got hurt, like in that alternate timeline, like would have all these things not have happened that end up happening in this book. And I think that's interesting. So I will say I do like they had the like memory and they mentioned deja vu quite a few times in the book. Cause again, it helped it feel cohesive. Okay. I think that's, yeah, I agree. I thought that it was, it was carried over well, like, and also, Again, I'll say it kept this book and the last book, the sixth book, it kept them well connected. Whereas, like I'll say again in my final impressions at the very end, I do feel like these two books really were completely separate from the first five books. I feel like they were separate. I feel like they don't really connect as well to the other ones. Oh, yes. We'll definitely talk about that. And we'll talk about that. But anyway, back to the plot. So... Just to mention for Gronin's storyline, which we're not really going to go into detail on him, but basically after he quits, he immediately proceeds to get kidnapped. And this is when I was making predictions because at first he gets kidnapped by these one people. They don't like him. So they hand him off to another set of kidnappers. And at this point I was like, oh, this feels like a normal, like kind of Gronin little thing that's about to happen. So I was like, he's probably going to be handed off to new cappers and just keep getting handed off to people until he just happens to run into Nimrod and company to be like saved. Like they're not going to have to actively go save them. They're just going to run into each other because that just to me seems how this book is going to go. And I had estimated that it would be by about the third or possibly the fourth set of kidnappers that this was going to happen that they were going to just run into him and he would be saved. Yeah. I don't know how you predicted that because like you got it spot on and I had no idea. I was just like, guess they're going to have to go find Gronin later. But like, you've been really good this whole series at predicting these books. Well, I would say, I mean, to the, to me, this just like felt predictable because it went based on everything that they were doing. So with the Nimrod side, they had way too much on their plate. They were not going to have time to do a side quest to go save Gronin. So I was like, and as we know, it seems like this author makes sure that things just work out. So I just knew that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, good point. Well, so they get their magic carpet in Morocco. Then we get to hear the whole story again of how, about how it works because, you know, like we didn't, they have not heard how flying carpets work yet in this timeline. So we get to hear the same paragraphs again. And then they're flying, and Philippa is like, I think this might be our last adventure. Like, she's feeling that. And I was like, okay, well, that's clearly some foreshadowing. Guess that's going to happen. Okay, I hated this, honestly. I Me hated too. the constant because I, I don't even know if it was just Philippa, but I feel like somebody else also said that. But mainly it was Philippa who kept saying, like, it feels like this might be our last time together. So annoying. And... Like, it was just really annoying because it was just too obvious. It's, again, instead of, like, foreshadowing, it was just, like, in case you didn't know, this is the last book. Like, it felt like that. Like, really telling instead of showing. Like, I don't know. I just hated that. And that is where, again, I feel like 
I mean, I can never criticize, like, writing or anything because I have no talent with writing. But I don't know. To me, it just felt like, again, where I feel like this book was not as well done as some of the other books. Like, I feel like I didn't have this issue in other books because it felt like this was, like, hastily put together or, like, this wasn't supposed to be the ending. And, like, it was just like, okay, I just have to, like, throw this together to make sure it wraps up the series, which it did, but it just wasn't done that well. Well, this plot line, this point in particular of Philippa being like all of a sudden having this crazy intuition, like she's been logical, she's been smart, like, but she hasn't had like third eye powers, like. And also, yeah, it just, it it makes no logical sense for her to feel that it's going to be our last adventure. When she is 14 years old. Plot wise, but also just like plot wise, like you said, that's never been presented in her character to ever make a comment like that. And also there's nothing in the plot. I guess like her thinking of the prophecy and like realizing that they might die, which I guess is like foreshadowing that. But like it just doesn't make sense. Unless as the reader, you're like, well, it's the last book. So of course it's going to be their last adventure. And at least that we're going like, to read about. It's like, why like do we even need that? Like we didn't even need. It was it. unnecessary. It, the only way I can see that working is if it's like something that Gronin said ironically as a joke about something else. Because like there have been a lot of moments in the yeah, series saying where like, he oh my has gosh, like, I accidentally stumbled on the truth just because of the way he like ridiculous way he speaks. Like that is like yeah. a character personality. So he could be like, it right seems to me that this might be my last adventure. I do say. <laughs> It might be my last adventure because I'm Thanks, getting old. And then it happens to be true. But not like Philippa being like, guys, guys, I'm getting a vibe. I'm getting a vibe. I what think this, this is the last time, time we're all going to see each other. <laughs> like, it was weird. It didn't make sense. Again, illogical. Yeah. But as always, though, I am kind of a Philippa hater which I proudly stand by because she is annoying which is unfortunate because you know I'm always trying to root for the female characters but she's just not I that like strong the female best, character so. you like Philippa the best? of course that's embarrassing for you I'm sorry anyway they're <laughs> flying to find a camel that has to do with Genghis Khan and Nimrod is telling the story and basically, we find out that Genghis Khan, so in order for, like, first of all, just because I know, when Genghis Khan was buried, every person who knew where his burial site was was murdered because nobody could know where he was buried. So they buried, like, 20,000 people with him. So obviously terrible. But also, so that they would be able to find the grave, since they made it, like, unmarked because they didn't want anyone to be able to find it, they had a camel who had just had a baby. They took the baby camel and buried it alive in the, like, tomb with Genghis Khan because camels, I guess, will never, like, they never forget things. So it'll always remember, like, where its baby was buried. So if they wanted to find the the tomb, they just would take the camel and it would, like, it's they, like, remember the smell, I guess, or something. So that's basically the story that Nimrod is telling them. And I have the quote here from Philippa, who is just awful and annoying. And she says, that is awful, she exclaimed. How could anyone do such a terrible thing? How could people be so cruel? Which this is in response to when he says a thing about the camel. And John let out a loud guffaw. Typical girl, he said, which I don't stand by. That's sexist. More like (coughs) typical Philippa. She says nothing when she hears about how 20,000 people were slaughtered in order to keep their mouths shut about the secret place where Genghis Khan is buried. And then she goes all gooey when some baby animal is killed. Yep, I agree with that, John. Once again, you have it. That is 
honest, like, honestly, Philippus just sucks. Like, what a terrible reaction. And he's right. I mean, I understand, yes, it's sad as we became while it was buried alive, but, like, he just said 20,000 people were killed and, like, you only got upset about the baby animal? Like, what are all those people? I don't know. I love baby animals. They're so cute. But you're right. No, you're right. I don't want... It's just where, like, she's annoying. Like, uh, I, she's still not annoying is what's-her-face from that book, but Philippa's getting on her level, slowly but surely. Maggie? No, 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 no. The girl from this series, is, what was her name? In the Eye of the Forest. Zadie. The one who, Zadie. You said Maggie. Ugh, don't say that <laughs> name again. Don't bring that up. She, she was so annoying. Was Maggie oh. from Inkheart? Yes, Maggie and Mo. Worst series. Again, <laughs> we it's all the way down in hell. We don't discuss that anymore. The men. The two main characters that were literally the worst characters in the whole book. Maggie series. and Mo. Ugh, gross. Yeah. Okay, so go back to my point about foreshadowing. They're flying, and Philippa finds out more about this prophecy and discovers that Nimrod has been reading books about twins and sacrifice. So that feels obvious. And then they run into Nimrod's wife and she's totally rude, like so unpleasant. And then she also insinuates that the twins are going to die soon, that it's their job to save the world and like that they're going to die soon. Yes. So I noticed all of this and I wrote it down and I will say that this was suspicious because like we mentioned before, Nimrod brings up the prophecy, but he doesn't mention at all about how there's like basically very literal mentioning of child sacrifice, specifically twins. And then again, how we've already said it's very specific to a boy and girl twin of like a jinn, a jinn mother and a mundane father. Like it's very specific. So it's clearly talking about them, but he doesn't mention that to them, which later on we kind of get his perspective and he does kind of say like he obviously didn't want to bring it up to them because he doesn't want them to be fearing their deaths, which like does kind of make sense. But also because he was never going to, he was never going to sacrifice them. Which I would there. say. Nimrod was never going to like put them on an altar and burn them. Which, yes, which I would say matches his character. But because he doesn't tell them and Philippa finds the books that he's like underlined, it does seem suspicious. And, you know, I was like, is he really thinking of sacrificing the twins? Because, again, the only thing I'll say for Nimrod that doesn't make sense, which I know it's not on this official timeline, but in the last book, he just randomly got hit on the head and started acting crazy. So, you know, maybe he got hit on the head again because, again, why did that happen? We don't know, which is why these two books go together because so many things happen that don't make sense. But. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he wouldn't sacrifice them, but I agree with you that it was suspicious. Like in the moment, like, I don't, like in the I, moment we found about it, it felt suspicious. Then as we went on, I was like, oh no, that makes sense. Like I'm back with Nimrod. Yes. Like, I feel like he could also be like, I do think he will be in the place where he has to tell them what their options are. And he tells them, like, well, if you do this, you save the world, but you have to make a sacrifice, you know? But he's not going to tell them. He's not going to be like, you guys should do this. He'll be like, I respect you. It's your life. You have to do with it what you want, you know? Yeah, I feel like he would ultimately let them make the decision. Like you said, he would just present them with the options. But, but he, he would give them all the information. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to, like, kill them. Yeah. And then just to catch up with Gronin's timeline... As I was right, he gets to his fourth kidnappers, and then, boom, he gets reunited with the crew. We're not going to mention what happens to him because it's gross. You don't need to know about it. It has something to do with spiders. We don't need to talk about it. It was nasty. 
And, and it was completely essentially irrelevant to the story anyway because, again, it was just thrown in there for shock value, I guess. It didn't make any sense. Again, that really felt like the author just knew a fact about camel spiders and just, like, wanted to share it. Like, he'd heard this as, like, a party fact. and It was just little, like, like again, like it made no fact. sense. Nobody got hurt from it. There were no consequences. So, which is why when it was happening, I was like, nothing's going to happen because nothing's happened this whole series. Like, that just... Literally, Gronin got killed by a bear, and he has such good plot armor that he got resurrected in a different timeline. Yeah. <laughs> so, there was like, no way they were going to kill him again. This spider wasn't going to hurt him, you know. Yeah. No, I agree. So, we should mention Alexandra, who is Nimrod's wife. I didn't love, I did not like this plot line. She was horrible. I don't know why. It felt so forced and useless. It was so forced. And she's so awful. I could never have seen Nimrod marrying her. And he's like, she didn't used to be like this. I'm like, I don't care. Like, one, why aren't you divorced? Two, why is this the first time the kids are hearing about this? And three, like, she's so unpleasant. It's not believable that someone like Nimrod would marry her at all. And, again, if this is something that had been planned out books and books ago, so particularly... It would have been mentioned. I think it's the, the third book. The third book, when they find out about Aramites. Those are like the djinn that like go live as homeless people. Like, because Layla was an Aramite. Like, one of their friends becomes an Aramite. And like, it would, if this was something that had been planned, it would have been an easy line. But just for Layla planned. to say, by the way, Nimrod's wife is actually an Aramite. You know? Or, yeah, was. I just, yeah, that, again, it's another proof that this book was not planned. This, or at least not planned to be the last book. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, I completely agree with you. Alexandra was completely insufferable. She, also, it was especially shocking because out of this whole series, she was the only truly rude character. Like, I feel like if we look back, because even, like, Iblis, like, the evil characters... You still, like, they were funny. Like, there were things. She was just horrible. Like, I'm not even kidding. I did not want to keep yes. reading when she was speaking. Yes. And she only had a couple of pages. She only had a couple of pages, but I'll say where, like, it really stood out because you were like, we haven't had a character who spoke like this. So it just felt really shocking and, like, out of the ordinary for the story. For the whole... Then, which is, again, where I, again... This, for the tenor of the book. It was just, like, like you said, we haven't yeah, had rude characters. Again, it, I mean, this was cruel, and Aisha was, like, kind of, like brutally honest and like a little bit savage but she wasn't rude like, like that alexandra's like just like you're fat you're ugly blunt. i hate you you're old it was like you're yeah, too it was dumb vicious, to be sacrificed and it was, like girl and she had she had like three pages of dialogue and it was very hard to get through i have to say so again again more proof that this feels very disconnected from the rest of the series and just not well planned but her appearance wasn't completely useless because she does kind of give um basically something with alexander she can see the future and that's why like she was an eremite before but she like has this curse where she can see the future so she ended up like giving that up but like part of her curse is i guess that no one believes what she has to say so the thing that she serves is she kind of gives like more to this prophecy basically like predicting the future and she does basically confirm Philippa's suspicions that, you know, we had before that Nimrod is kind of obsessed with this prophecy that says the twins need to be sacrificed to save the world. But 
like I said, after they leave her, no one can remember what she said, which I thought that was really suspicious and weird. But then it is explained that basically that is part of her curse, that when she says the future, part of it is that no one will believe her. So, like, you don't even remember what she said. So it was basically explained. So, like, she did serve towards the plot. It was it was a good foreshadowing because I didn't even write down the prophecy. And when we got to a certain point, I was like, I need to go back and look, about, look at what she said because I was curious. So it did serve that, but it just, again, was very shocking and just came out of nowhere. It was nowhere. so shoehorned in. It was so shoehorned in. I mean, it was I mean, literally they're about to leave Afghanistan, which when they first get there, Nimrod mentions that she lives there and he's like, hopefully we won't run into her. Literally as they're about to leave, she just appears out of nowhere. Like, how did she know they were there? How did she find them? Like, is that something in Jin like, I mean, I guess she can predict the future, so maybe it was she just like, that she was that gonna was meet ridiculous. them. That was that was But she literally came out of nowhere. It was a jump scare. Like, she was just there. <laughs> like, just there. as they were getting on like, their magic like, Who carpet, that? she's like, ta-da, <clears throat> I am here. Like, oh my god. And everyone's like, and who is that? Who is that? Yeah. So, now we're going to take a little bit of a plot jump, because from here, they go to Australia. Because, again, I'll say, this did... This feels like a very... It felt like a very wild goose chase. Oh. Like... Which, I don't know, just right now it reminded me of, which I'll bring Star Wars in. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, so I don't know that well. But I, one of the newer movies that was, like, a criticism that, like, they've said, right, that, like, one of the movies, it was, like, a goose chase. Was it the last one? No, no, no. It was the one before. The first it one. was Last Jedi, the John Boyega, and the Asian woman. I'm not going to remember her name. I think it's the, All char- I know the is character's I, name is Rose, but sh- the two of them go basically on a wild goose chase for the whole se- for the whole movie, and it's pointless. It has no payoff. It's pointless. It, and then she doesn't get a line in the final movie. Like they introduce this character, then she and one of the principal characters of the new trilogy, like, have this whole plot line that doesn't pan out and doesn't end up mattering, and then she basically just gets a drop from the last movie. Which, yes, so I don't know Star Wars enough to, like, actually give, like, an opinion on that. But based on the criticisms I'd heard about that, it just reminded me of this. Because even though this, like, wild goose chase, I guess, does pay off in the end, I will say, like, near the end of the book, which, again, you know me, I get lost sometimes and I forget details. But I will say the goose chase went on so long that I, like, forgot why we were even looking for Genghis Khan's tomb. I didn't know what, I didn't know what we were going to do there. I was like, okay, what are they looking for I again? I have to say something. What are I we I want to say something about this. Okay. Okay, that's one of my biggest criticisms with this book, was that the plan from the beginning was kind of dumb. Because so, the whole reason that they're doing this is they want to go to Genghis Khan's tomb to be sure that someone has broken in so that they can know that someone is using these crystals to reverse, to create these volcanoes. Yeah, I don't even I'm think like, I knew that that's what it was. So the, the whole <laughs> plot there. was just to get confirmation which is why when we find out who the villain is at the end and they go confront him that takes like four pages because the whole book was just getting confirmation that someone was messing with the volcanoes and also don't even get me started that the that the villain was right where right where they started (laughs) no but again the point like the whole thing of like they have to find a camel that is descendant of the original camel because then they can trap into the camel's subconscious so they can track down Genghis Khan's tomb so they can go into Genghis Khan's tomb just to be sure that someone else already broke in. Yeah, no, I yes, when we finally do get to Genghis that Khan's was the tomb, plot. I had that a was moment. The plot. I had a moment where I was literally like, 
what are they going to do when they get into his tomb again? Like, what are we even looking for? Like, I thought maybe... Then I was... Because they were... Then they brought up the crystals again. And I was like, oh, are they getting the crystals to, like, fix the issue? Like, I honestly didn't remember what the plan was. I'm totally had lost it. But anyway, continuing on our linear plot line, as Charles kind of brought up a little bit, basically, they they go to Australia because they need to find the camel that, that's the descendant of the original camel that was the mother of the baby camel that was buried. And I guess now there's, like, a million camels in Australia, and they're like, the likelihood that it's there is high enough that they should go there. So they fly to Australia, which I was just thinking, I mean, Australia is, like, kind of terrifying there's like some scary stuff down there and also i've watched like a lot of true crime stuff about australia because like it's literally like just deserted like i mean they talked about how like huge that country is and like how little of it is populated because it's literally just like deserts and the outback so i was like ooh, horror movie time and i mean Again, literally also this felt unnecessary for them just to plumb the subconscious of a camel we needed to m- sell the original camel to someone in Australia and then find out that Australian camels have grown to like a million camels. Like I was like, this, this could have been an email. They could have, they could have got that information from a camel in Afghanistan. I will say this one, this part I didn't mind. I think I didn't mind this part so much because so when they get there, they meet two aboriginals. Like I liked like the introduction of their character. Like I wasn't as, again, this is also like, we're still, like, midway through the book at this point, so I wasn't quite yet exhausted, like, mentally exhausted of the plot. So I was still, like, following it and, like, okay, like, okay, they're going to look for the camel. And basically, again, dumb Philippa, here we go. Basically, like Charles kind of says, they have to go into all these camels and figure out which one is descendant, which means they have to, like, go into their deep, con- like, subconscious. And since Nimrod has to keep the carpet flying because there's, like, a thousand camels and they're going to get trampled if they land... John and Philip have to go into their spirit selves to go inhabit the camels, which this has kind of been talked about, I guess. But basically, like, if you get, like, stunned while you're in a spirit mode, like, you can get lost in the spirit world and, like, not be able to go back to your body, which is basically what happens to Philippa, of course, because she's stupid. And basically, she, like, gets hit with lightning and she's stunned. And if somebody doesn't go and save her, like, she may never find her, like, get back to her body and so one of the aboriginals that they meet his name is charlie he says that he can actually go into the spirit world like he does like a spiritual dance and he's able to enter the spirit world so he goes to save philippa but when and philippa's met this man like they met she ate his bugs like they she knows who he is but he does have a mask on but he like calls out to her spirit but then she like doesn't trust him because i understand like she doesn't understand what's going on because I guess when you get lost in spirit world, like, you forget who you are and, like, where you came from. And so in order to save Philippa, he's like, okay, well, I'll bring you my body so that you know it's me. So he throws himself off of the edge of this flying carpet, like, 100 feet out of the air, murders, like, or commits suicide, basically, so she can be in his body, and then she's able to get to her body. And so he dies, which I understood the, like, well, what at the time I thought was, like, pushing this idea of, it was going to kind of inspire Philippa to, like, know the power of, like, self-sacrifice, which we know how I feel about self-sacrifice, especially for children, based on my reactions to Narnia. Well, that wasn't self-sacrifice, but still, children dying. I don't like that, but I understood what they were trying to do here, but it was just annoying. But I was like, well, maybe this means Philippa will sacrifice herself, and then we can just have John be alive, which I would be here for because I'm Team John. Yeah, I... 
I don't know. She's definitely inspired. But again, when you think about it, how did we get to self-sacrifice when we started this book about kids running up 75 stairs? Like, I don't know. Where, how did we get to here? Yeah, how did we go from they have really early molars and they can, you know. You mean wisdom teeth? Yes. Yeah, it's just quite the progression. And again, it feels like it just happened in this book alone. And she, she's definitely inspired. She literally says that she would want to have the same strength to do what he did if it was asked of her. And I want to say that at this point, I wrote down the correct prediction of what was going to happen. This is when I wrote down, I'd been like toying with it in my head, but I, at, it was at this point when she's like, I would be prepared to sacrifice myself that I was like, she's not going to die. But I did in writing in my notes, cor- correctly guess what the sacrifice at the end was going to be. So I just wanted to say, we'll talk about it when we get there because that's the ending, but um I did predict it at this point. Well, I definitely didn't have the correct prediction because at this point I was still on the belief system that they were going to have to die. And I was definitely like, I don't feel, I wasn't emotionally connected enough to the characters to like really care, but still like, I don't like the idea of children's books ending with the main characters dying, especially literally killing themselves. I don't think that's a good uh, message to put out there, but that was my prediction at that moment. That's not what ends up happening. 13 reasons why, 13 reasons why. So... Anyway, we're almost there. We're finally going Jessica, to find to Genghis team. Khan's grave, which, where did they go for this? Where did they fly to? I think it's somewhere in Mongolia, but. Oh, yeah, knows? it was in Mongolia. You're right, you're right. Again, I was, this is where I was starting to get exhausted with the plot. And, cause yeah, when they get there, this is when I was literally like, what are we doing again at this? So, they get inside of the tomb, and they see that the crystals have indeed been stolen by some who they determined is some wealthy millionaire who runs a chocolate empire, which they're able to figure this out because... Uh, he dropped a chocolate wrapper. He drops a chocolate wrapper, and it's a very specific chocolate wrapper that's like the most expensive chocolate in the world, and he owns this chocolate company, so it's clearly from him. And also, as they're trying to leave the tomb, this is when Axel, which I don't even know if we mentioned him before, but he was the... We didn't. He was the professor's, like, assistant, basically. He'd been with him for, like, 10 years, and Philippa, like, has a crush on him, kind of. He was, like, a nice character, and I will say it was kind of disappointing that they killed him, but it makes sense that they killed him because he wasn't the main character. Like, obviously, they weren't going to kill Philippa or John or Gronin even. So if somebody was going to die, it kind of makes sense that it was him. And then at this point, when he dies, this is when I was like, I wanted to go back to the prophecies because I remembered his a little bit, and I was like, okay, so her all of her things that Alexandra said to them a couple chapters ago, must be coming true. So, the first one, first thing she said is something about the twins' dreadful fate that awaits them in the clouds after they discover the price of chocolate is far above rubies, which now we know is obviously that how expensive this chocolate is, which we, is, we end up finding it belongs, the chocolate empire belongs to this guy named Rashley, Rashley Khan, something like that, and he believes he's a dis- a direct descendant of Genghis Khan. And he's been behind this whole plot basically with the volcanoes and his reasoning, which again, totally random is basically he wants to own all of the chocolate in the world and ultimately sell chocolate bars for a hundred dollars so that like little kids can't have chocolate because why not? Because he hates children. I, again, random. We've never met this man before, but this is our, this is our big bad villain for the final book of the series. How delightful. So then our he's s- not even a jinn. He's not even a jinn. 
Yeah, and he wasn't no even a jinn. He's them. just a rich man. They literally just go into his body, turn him into the police. He makes a full confession because they're possessing him. That's all it did to take him out. Yeah, again, like I said, anticlimactic. So the second thing Alexandra had said was something about the death of a man in a black mask, which we now know was Charlie in Australia, the Aboriginal, because... So something we didn't really mention, but the professor had said, like, his face was burned, but actually he had a face plan of a, a child girl, which, like, again, irrelevant to the story. But throughout the story, he was wearing this black mask, and Charlie asked for his mask to wear because in the spirit world, he doesn't want them to recognize him. So that could have been a fake out if you were paying attention because he'd been like, oh, what if they mean the professor's going to die? But actually it was Charlie because he gave him the mask. Then the third thing that, that she says is the ship that's inside a ship and a gray tiger, which I still don't know what this one meant. I don't know if you have any input on this one, Charles, because my guess didn't really the make sense. The ship in the shed, the ship is the helicopter on top of the, um, the yacht that is actually dig- a mine that connects to the volcanoes. But what does the gray tiger have to do with it? I think that's the um, the tiger that they see at the end. The dead tiger that's covered in volcanic ash. Okay. So I did, I did say the gray tiger, I thought, was the dead tiger they saw. But I didn't understand the ship. But obviously, when I was making these predictions, we weren't even to that part yet. So, okay. And then the last thing they said is that was Axel winning the jackpot in the University of Iceland lottery and the shock he experiences when the worm turns, which this is what initiated me turning back to her prophecies because he gets killed by a Mongolian death worm in a flash of blue light. So he literally gets electrically shocked by this worm. And that's why I was like, did she say something about a worm? But what does that have to do with him winning the jackpot? I guess... I don't know. Again, just random, but I, I just wanted to include it because at least it made Alexander like mean something, I guess. Such a classic like motif. Like the fortune teller is right, but no one believes them. Like, I don't know. I feel like we need to get rid of fortune tellers in fiction or like come up with a new plot line. It's like the same it's the same plot line for Trelawney in Harry Potter. Like she makes like two predictions in her whole life that are accurate and she can't remember either of them she does all this wishy-washy i mean there's a lot of theories that like the things she wish that she like ironically says that she's kind of just like hocus pocusing are like they end up being accidentally true but like she makes two real prophecies but when she makes a prophecy she's possessed and can't remember it and i'm like that i think that happens all the time that like well that's why you got to write it down and that's you got to write it down. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm so annoyed with like, we don't believe in the, like, whatever. So they go back to Sorrento to investigate the millionaire and they discover that, yes, of course, he's the one putting the Genghis Khan crystals into the magma, making all this volcanic activity go crazy. So again, all they needed to do was find the grave and then they knew exactly what was going on and they were able to, like I said, they just go into his body and turn him into the police and done. And then once we get past this point, this is when I did start to suspect what the actual ending ended up being. And so like Charles said, Nimrod and John, they turn in the criminals and then Nimrod reads a slip of paper that says how to reverse the effects of this volcanic activity. So after this, I was like getting a general idea of what I assumed was actually going to be the solution to this saving the world issue and there we go 
We were both right by the end. The twins use their power to make it rain so hard on the volcanoes that the magma subsides. They're like raining continuously just on the volcanoes for three days. And by doing this, they use up all of their gin force. They're just normal people now. Which I have to say, also because, oh my God, don't even get me started. I, when I was reading this, because I was looking at the end to see how many pages were left. Which, of course, I didn't realize there was, like, an author's note at the end. So, it I wasn't ready for it to be over. Same. But they use up all their Gen 4s. Gronin's like, let's go. And then it's like, well, it's okay. Like, our powers are gone. But at least we're together and we get to be normal. The end. It literally said at the end. I was like, what? That's the end of the whole story? <sighs> also. Yeah, I first really. First of all, super really... anticlimactic. But, okay. But can I go into my final thoughts? Because already, huge criticism. A huge theme of this whole book was self-sacrifice and how they might sacrifice themselves. They weren't going to phone their parents. I guess the phones were working. They weren't going to... I, I. They do mention writing a letter. The parents are not mentioned at all in this whole book. On the day that they're going to do it. Like... Nothing. Like, so again, just like I said earlier about Dybbuk, they didn't. They weren't able to renew the contract. They clearly weren't able to renew the contract of their parents either because they weren't in the last book either. So those actors got bigger movies. They got cast in Marvel movies. So they could no longer be committed to the Children of the Lamps TV show. And it's, so yeah, so that's why. Yeah, it okay, just let me say, felt, I want to say something about that. Yeah. Just anticlimactic. That's what I have to say. And very, very anticlimactic. Just horrible. It's really a shame because I feel like Dybbuk was, his ending in book five really left it open for like, we need to just see him again. We needed to see dark Dybbuk. Like we didn't need to see McCreeby or Zadie because we know they're running their school in South America. Fine. But we should have seen Dybbuk. We should have seen Faustina. Maybe yeah, even their we mother. Yeah, we get Faustina except that one book. And then the one scene in the fourth, yeah, she's in the fourth book, and then she's one scene in the fifth book. Like, but we should have gotten at least Faustina and Dybbuk, their parents, and maybe even Faustina and Dybbuk's mom. Like, we, it just, and the fact that, yes, none of them really even get a mention in book six and seven is a real problem for me. Because they have been a family, and the family has been a huge part of the fa- of the books. It's not like... They don't like their parents, so they have, like, a very formal relationship. They're just, like, they're super, like, just children around their parents. So for them to, like, just be, like, shafted from these books, like, why? And also literally considering killing themselves to save the world, and there's not even a mention of, I'm going to miss my family. Like, literally don't even talk about them, except, like I said, literally the day of, they write a letter to their parents. That's it. And then at the end... After everything's been saved, there's no reunion. There's nothing. Because, again, the actors were gone. They couldn't film that scene. It had to be off screen. Yeah, I do think that that is, like, a true shortcoming that we don't get any resolution. Like, oh, Mr. Bodianoi. Like, there are characters that they have relationships with that, like... That never get any sort of conclusion to their story. At all. I mean, I honestly don't even feel that Philippa and John got a good enough conclusion like because to me their stories can't end without like their surrounding family and people like being with them like it's not a bow tie ending like without that like anything and that's why i said i was kind of shocked literally it's like we're just happy being normal people the end like that was the other thing 
Okay, so I feel like that ending made sense for Philippa. It did not make sense for John. But not sense for John. It did not make sense for John. They just threw it at the end. Because, yeah, Philippa, it made sense. They had built it up for her character. She said, you know, it was becoming a lot to be a gin. Like, it felt like it was overwhelming. And John just said, yeah, I kind of felt that way, too. Yeah, been, me, too. Yeah, like, it had been building yeah, for Philippa too. since the fifth book. And John never felt that way. Like, and... Like, even the line that really irked me is when they were like, it was fun while it lasted. I was like, your entire identity just got thrown out the window. I know you didn't grow up as Jin, but you have since found out that you're Jin. You found out that you're made of literal fire, that you can become a ghost, that you have telekinetic, tele, like, supernatural powers. Your entire life is unbuilt around that now. And you're like, oh, it was fun while it lasted. Like... That's the kind of thing where, because it was two years of their life, by the time they're 80, they could be like, that was a childhood fantasy. They could forget. Well, I will say especially it doesn't make sense because literally two books ago, when Dybbuk loses his power, they literally talk about it as being worse than death, losing your gin power. At least, I feel like John definitely said something about that. Literally being the worst thing that could happen to you, and they feel so terrible for him. So the fact that they've, again, Philippa makes sense. John, not so much. And they call it going cold. Like, it's like, sounds horrible. Also, because earlier on in the book, Nimrod is like, I wonder if this is it for me. And I was like, you're not allowed to go cold either. But like, if he goes cold, like, I don't know. At least he's an adult. It just definitely also gave up the vibes because again, like, it's, everything's fine. Like, we're all good. Like, just, they're going to need therapy. Like, I don't know. I just think that that, like you just said, like, it could have been a fantasy. Like, they're not going to remember... But my hot take ultimately for the end of the series, which I don't know. I think this is very clever. You can roast me in the comments if you don't think so. But let me know if you agree. But basically what I'm getting is, like I said, I'm doing all these references to TV shows. It specifically gives off that, you know, this show got bought by Netflix after the fifth season, after the fifth book. Then Netflix made two, you know, mediocre seasons And then the show just got canceled. So that's why the ending is so terrible. Because as I said, these two, these last two books in particular, to me, feel very disconnected from the rest of the book, the first five books, especially when we just said, I mean, so many characters, their casting, their contracts did not get renewed. They did not return for the last two seasons because they were not going on a Netflix show. They're like, if we're not on the main network, we're not going to Netflix. So... I just, I don't know, like, because, again, to me, the biggest loss of them all is Dybbuk. I feel like Dybbuk could have been such an interesting storyline to explore, at, especially now that at the end of this series, they give up their gin powers, too. It would have been cool, like, whether Dybbuk somehow got a redemption story, or they ultimately had to defeat him, and that's how they lost all their gin power, by defeating him because he was going to destroy the world. I just feel like it was set up so perfectly in the fifth book for him to come back. And then for that to never be revisited, like, they just threw away that. Or he, the author, P.P. Care just threw away that plot line. Because even the parents missing, like, I still think that that's not okay. No, that's but not I, acceptable either. That's not acceptable. No, it's not still unacceptable. But I was saying that I don't think that the parents would have added more to the plot. I just think it would have been made... Again, it doesn't make sense that they're talking about self-sacrifice. And they're not talking to their parents. I, I think they could have called their mother and said, hey, we think we're going to have to go cold. You've given up your gin power. Like, how did you do it? Like, that could have been a cry your eyes out moment. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think. Instead of building up this. Because it was so obvious that it was going to happen. And then they come out and Nimrod's like, maybe your powers will come back. And they're like, no, obviously not. And I was like, there's no suspense. Like, it was so obvious that they were going to lose their powers. I guess. So. All I'm saying I know, is. To I me, think- I was just like. No, it's unacceptable I, to not have their parents in it. I agree with that, but I guess I'm saying in the sense of I think bringing the parents in wouldn't have wouldn't have changed the plot as much. Whereas I think bringing Div back, they, it could have been a much better plot. I think they could have changed the plot to make he could have changed the plot to make it better. Whereas the parents, yeah, the villain could have been Dibbic. He could have been like, I'm exactly. gonna blow up the world, and that's gonna bring like my gin fire back. And they're like, Dibbic, you've gone too far. We're gonna kill you. Also, like, like if they would have said like, you know, the rich guy was actually a front, and like Dibbic was somehow controlling him because he was blackmailing. Like, like I'm just saying like something. Whereas I feel like, especially because like, I don't know, it was just much more interesting. There was like more reveals. That's why I said it. Yeah. Anticlimactic is how I would describe it. And again, I would say the show, it's like only the first five seasons were good. Once Netflix took over, it was bad. And that's why they just threw it together because the show is getting canceled, which I'll say. If it almost feels like the showrunner left, like, as you guys know, my favorite show is The West Wing and Aaron Sorkin left the show, I believe, after season four. But and he said in interviews, I think it's after season four, that he... So at the end of that season, this is not a, I don't feel like it's a spoiler because the show came out like 10 years ago, but um, he has the president step down temporarily from office and he doesn't have a vice president. So the Republic, so the president is a Democrat. So the vice, the, and there's no vice president at the time because he resigned in a sex scandal. The Republican speaker of the house assumes temporary acting job of the presidency. And that's how you finish the one season. And Aaron Sorkin literally says, he's like, I gave this to the showrunners so that they would have something to start with next season. And it feels like the fifth book left us with that. We have Philippa starting to wonder if she has like doubts about being a djinn. We have Layla, plastic surgery, turning Mrs. Trump's body into her own, basically just destroying her. Excellent. We have Dybbuk, dark freaking Dybbuk. Like, we have so many potential plot points. And they said, and then, let's flush it down the toilet and do uh, time uh, time travel. Let's do a time travel sequence where we have an alternate let's do time, time travel. I was like, it felt so disconnected. Literally, that's what it was. They were like, he was like, let's mix it up. Let's mix it up. And then it's like, oh, shoot, this is the last book, which I will say what also proves this at the end of the book, this book, I said there's the author's note, PB Care does write that he was not planning for this to be the last book. He said that the characters were telling him that it was time to end, which right there to me shows, which I think, Charles, I also asked you in a previous episode, didn't we say that he wrote the last two books later, right? The last three, but yes. Okay. But they're only a year later. They're not, like, there was, like, it was a year apart for every single book except between four and five. Either way, then, I think it's more so that he had planned out most of the first book and it was even able to connect the fifth book. And then he kind of ran out of ideas and then, and then maybe either got sick of it or was just like, I don't want to write this anymore, so I've got to wrap it up. Because I will say, I mean, even as we were, like, especially in the last book and the sixth book, I was like, I said, I think, in the last episode... It doesn't feel like we're getting set up for the end of a series. Like, 
Because, again, if this was some big thing, I feel like it should have been started to be introduced, even if just in the previous book. But the previous book was about time travel and a time a timeline being erased, so that couldn't even have mattered. But, yeah, I just feel like with all of the information and what we've read... Or, like, it, we could have heard about the prophecy in the last book, but because of the time travel, they don't know about it. That yeah, like... and, and Very he, interesting. Yeah. So... Like, the kids could have been warned, but they didn't know to look for it. Like, But again, I I'll say for me at least, the ultimate crime of the end of the series is the not returning of major characters, Dybbuk and the parent. I feel like that alone cancels the whole, the whole thing for me. So I would re- say yeah. read books one through five. You could read six. Six was interesting. Seven, throw it in the trash. Burn it. <laughs> Don't burn books. Just kidding. That's a joke. Don't burn books. Never do that. Just... Just shove it to the back of the shelf and be like, there's only six books in this series. And then you get well, to write the also, last book. I didn't remember the last book, but I remember not liking it because I remember when I read the books my senior year of high school, I was like, I don't really like this. <laughs> like, but I remember loving the first five. Like, yeah, the other ones were definitely. And I knew I was ambivalent about the time travel in the sixth. And then the seventh one, I was like, oh. Honestly, it's given divergent energy. Yes, you gotta stick that landing. You gotta stick that landing. (sighs) But anyway, that first book, like, is so. That first book, like, really hooks you. Honestly, I don't even remember the first book. There was too much going on. I didn't start enjoying it until the second book. They go to Egypt. Like, it's just the first book is so good. Anyway. Anyway. Final thing I had to say was about, like, what was the theme of the book, which I said I also, something I dislike was kind of, is the message at the end supposed to be, like, it's nice to just be ordinary and like everyone else? Because that, to me, was the vibe I was getting with, like, how Philippa and John were talking, like, because they're like, oh, I'm just so glad to, like, be like everyone else, which, again, I think that made sense for Philippa's development, but John's not so much, as we've mentioned. But, I don't know, is that being, like, the final message... Personally, I felt that was kind of lame. I mean, I feel like Charles is the one, you know, he loves his fantasy books. I feel like we come to fantasy books to read about the extraordinary. So for the book to end with like, yeah, we're glad we lost our powers because we just want to be like everyone else is just not a message I was expecting at the end and not something that I was like, oh, yay, like what a great ending. Yeah, I I, I don't know if that's necessarily the theme, but like... I I just don't. I It just was like... I don't think theme is like the right word. It just to me, at the end of the book, when I was like, what's my takeaway? I was like, my takeaway is them basically saying that, like like John says or whatever, it's good, it was good while it lasted, you know? It's nice to just be ordinary again, which I can understand in the sense of we're happy to be alive. We're happy to... I mean, you can't say you have your family because your parents are nowhere to be found. But I, like, I just... It didn't make sense. Like, again, maybe if they would have been reunited with their family, I feel like that would have saved it. Because Layla obviously had already, you know, given up her gym power fully. So for them to be a family again, be like, you know what matters? That we're a family again. But their parents are gone. So now they're just like, these children are orphans. So we're like, what, what is the connection? Like, it just, it didn't work for me. Yeah. And like, it also just doesn't make sense to me, like, why he couldn't have added, like, another chapter of them, like, returning to New York. Like, I don't understand why he had to end it literally with them like still on the volcano like that's the that's it yeah the end. i really wish that they had like gone i don't home. understand that choice i really wish they'd gone home 
Like, like literally just to be like, oh my gosh, like, like you said, if you want that crying moment of like, what happened? Like our gin power is gone. It's like, at least we're all together. Like something like, I feel like that would have been, that would have been enough to at least wrap it up. Like, yes, obviously I feel like exploring a plot line with Divic would have been more interesting, but at least then it would have felt like this was well wrapped yeah, like, up. Whereas bring to back me, I do feel uncles. like it feels unfinished. Bring back their uncles that like were dogs and became men again and like had become their dad's business partners. Like just like feel, give it a family moment. There's no reunion like, at the end. There's no reunion where you know you get to see all the characters. I think it's the end of it's the end of the fourth or end of the fifth book. Maybe it's the fifth. I don't know. It's one of them. They go back to New York, and Nimrod and Gronin go. Oh, it's the end of the fifth one. They go check themselves into the hotel. Or something like that, I think. And yeah, Gronin's like, "What are we doing, sir?" And Nimrod's like. They're a family. They just want to be left alone. They need to alone. be a family. They need yeah. to be a family and spend time with each other. And I was like, oh, we didn't get that at the end. <laughs> no, he said forget family. Family who? What family? You don't have parents? Because the parents are in Marvel movies now. They've been, and they didn't have the budget to recast them. Oh my God. I mean, you're not wrong. I get, like I said, it doesn't make sense. Because again, on a TV show or something, you're like, okay, that was out of their control. That's why they had to be written off. This, it's like, you're writing a book, you have full control. I, I don't know, maybe his editor said they didn't want the family reunion. But I just don't understand why. Well, again, it feels like we were missing a chapter. It feels like we're missing a chapter of that closure to fully wrap up the story. Like, literally, like Charles was saying, I mean, basically what takes him to save the world takes, like, two or three chapters, and then the book is over. That's the end. Yep. Definitely the worst book of the series. Yeah. I unfortunately have to agree. Well, I think let's finish it before we, you know, get too depressed. Because I really do, I do like this series. I would, I don't know if I would read it again, but. Um, Wait, really quick. What did we say? What, how did the Flamel series end for comparison? The Flamel series is when they end up going back in time, like during the last two books. The last book all takes place. It turns out that they weren't actual twins. That Isis they were and just people like, chosen, and I remember. I remember that the boy, he's and, like and the, the guy boy, who had the world without snakes. Yes, he becomes death. He becomes Marethu, and then what's his name? Oh God, it's not coming to me. His name isn't John, too, is it? It's something with a J. I think like James. No, it's not James. Josh. Yes, Josh and Sophie. Um, Josh. Wow, I can't remember that. What happens yeah. to Sophie? She just becomes a magical sorceress. So Sophie and Aoife, no, Aoife dies. Sophie and Scatty and Joan, like all like their female friends, they all just get to like go be heroes and like reteach civilization because like they go basically start over. Oh, um, uh, okay. I will say, I, again, comparing those two, I mean, Nicholas Mall was definitely way more mature. And I'll say the ending of that was way better because it was like you just didn't see any of that coming. It and I love a plot twist. You, so yeah, it was I'll definitely say, a plot twist. I remember being like, I'll still never forget the snakes. There's yes. no snakes. That was probably the biggest reveal we've ever had on the show, at least at least for me, for something that I've not written. I was read, like, there are no before. snakes. But unfortunately, I can never read that series again because of the sheer number of spiders in it. I could never read it again. I could never watch anything on it. But 
I will say the reveal of that was chef's kiss. That was incredible. Incredible. (laughs) Chef's kiss. I hate you. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I think that's enough for Children of the Lamp. So that means next week we will be starting our next series. We are reading Uglies by Scott Westerfield. This will be a new series for both Charles and I. And we'll be reading the first half of the first book, chapters 1 through 25. And let us know how you feel about these books, the Uglies. I think the Uglies are probably the series that we have heard the most from listeners about wanting us to read. And maybe that's because we, like, hit the really other big dystopian books pretty early on. Yeah. Um, like, we, we always said we were going to do Hunger Games, etc. I can't believe we just read Match before this. I completely forgot about those books. <laughs> we, read, we didn't read Match right before this, did we? Maybe we read something else, but, like, we read no. Match quite recently. We read Match recently, but we definitely read something else in between. No, we read we read the we read the Star Girl. Oh. And then we read Dealing with Dragons. <laughs> Honestly, that was one of the best series too. That I one told was you those. Good. Well, I think I I think that was another one. I liked the beginning. I don't, I don't think, think I liked you liked the, the last Honestly, book either. Yeah. I liked the last book, but a lot of these series start strong and then well, fail. Anyway. My point is, people have been asking us to read the uglies, and neither of us have read them. Re- re- neither of us have read them. Neither of us have read them. So that'll be interesting. So if you want to talk to us about any of this, reach us on the Nerd Party website. Just go to nerdparty.com/contact. Select our show. Send us an email. You can also get in touch with the network on Twitter at Join Nerd Party or Instagram at the Nerd Party or Facebook.com/slash/TheNerdParty. And to find me, I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm going to spell that out because our fans keep DMing Asia, but not me, which is so rude. But I think she's easier to find. Seashells is C-S-C-H-E-L-S. DM me next time, y'all. I can already hear people being like, that makes no sense. Why would you call it Seashells? Because I tried looking for you and I typed the word Seashells. So that makes no sense. Anyway, that's why... It's a play on words for my last name. That's why you can continue to message me at AsiaBonia on TikTok or at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network, but make sure you subscribe to us so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit the subscribe button. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.